Well, good morning, chapel. Good morning, church from home. Love you guys. Hope you're uh, having a great morning. Man, we're so sad to not be together, but as we were making plans, we realized some of our later services would be get, getting hit with snow. And so we thought, let's all be online, uh, safe together. And then we have a ministry dinner that was tonight. All, all it's just getting pushed to next week. So love you guys. But I, I had a message on my heart I still wanted to bring. And so you're going to want to share this because uh, the title of this week's uh, talk is Overcoming Challenges. How many would admit we got some challenges in life, don't we? I mean, that's just part of life. We got some challenges. I was thinking of these words, Houston, we have a problem, right? April uh, 13, 1970, uh, uh, astronaut Jim Lovell makes that declaration as the Apollo 13 is 2,000 miles above the earth, and all of a sudden a boom happens, and he has no access to all of his instruments, and Houston, we have a problem, right? Those are the famous words. They call that uh, a successful failure because Although that Apollo 13 didn't accomplish its mission, they learned how to get a, a crew back to Earth safely. And I, I thought, man, a lot of us could say, Houston, we have a problem in all kinds of areas of our life. In fact, that's what this whole series is about. It's about overcoming because we realize in this world, Jesus said, we'll have tribulations, right? So you probably have some challenges in your work. You probably have some challenges in your family. You probably have some uh, challenges in your finances or your personal relationships. And we want to look today at how to overcome some challenges. And we're in a study of the book of Nehemiah. If you have a Bible today, we're going to be in chapter uh, two of Nehemiah. And, uh, and we're going to look at how Nehemiah overcame some challenges, how he, how he was able to overcome the obstacles. And let me just remind you, if you missed it last week, the whole book of Nehemiah is about these walls being torn down and, uh, and God stirring it on the heart of Nehemiah to rebuild these walls. To, 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 God was going to mobilize him. And he was going to lead a, a charge to rebuild some things. How many believe God can do things in the middle of challenging circumstances, right? I think that's important because we're off to a new start of the year and it could feel like, oh man, 2022, what can God do? But I just want to declare that today. God's still at work, even in challenging circumstances. And one of the defining features of, of being a person that God uses is learning resilience, right? A bounce back ability. I remember as a kid having one of those little punching bag uh, inflatables. You remember those? They would have like, you you'd knock them down and they're weighted at the bottom and they'd come back up. And there's something about learning with God's grace to be resilient. And Nehemiah was that way. And we learned last week that he came and he saw the walls that were, that were destroyed and God put it on his heart to do something about it. In fact, he, he's the cupbearer to the king and he, he really asked the king in a bold moment. Let me show you it. In a bold moment, he asked the king, he says, if it pleased the king and if you're pleased with me, your servant, then send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. So he was willing to not only look at the problems of the walls, he was willing to look at a solution. I want to talk to you this week, and I got six things, and I'll hit them real quick because I know we got church from home, but six things tucked away in Nehemiah 2 that can help you overcome challenges. Straight out of God's word, you say, I want to overcome this challenge. What do I do? Let's, let's dig in because God's word can teach us this. And the first thing we got to do, we see it right here, is we can't get stuck in the problem, okay? 
Nehemiah sees, yes, there is a problem, but I'm not just going to wallow in it. I'm going to offer a solution. I'm not just going to get stuck in the problem. I'm going to offer a solution to the problem. I'm telling you, this is huge in life to not be overwhelmed with our problems, but bring our problems to God, right? To not allow our problems to define us. Nehemiah could have just said the walls and it's been years and the people don't want to work and and, and I don't even live there, but he doesn't. He's willing to be relocated to get hard work. We, we learned last week, if you missed it, he started with prayer. In fact, that's what we're doing for 21 days of prayer. Man, it's been so incredible. Every morning, 7 a.m., Monday to Friday, Saturdays at 9. You want to be a part of that. Uh, this coming week, got two more weeks. It's not too late to jump in. But he doesn't just look at the problem and pray about it. He actually puts a plan together. In fact, after seeing the brokenness of weeping, then he gets to working, okay? So he sees the brokenness of his world. His heart is broken over it. He's moved by it. But then he doesn't stay in that place. He gets to doing something about it. After his weeping comes working. There is a faith-filledness in Nehemiah. He's not just going to leave things broken. And we need, to, we need to realize this, I think especially in the culture that we're in, that a lot of people just get stuck in the weeping and the wallowing and never get forward. I believe that with God, there's, there's possibilities and life is lived uphill, and everything in life is challenging, and every, everything that God calls us to has some setbacks and obstacles. And In fact, uh, John Maxwell puts it this way, life is difficult. And when you, when you accept that life is difficult, life becomes less difficult, okay? So I'm like, I hope that's encouraging today. Like, it's just difficult. Like, raising kids, it's just difficult. And, 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 and making a business go, it's just, there'll always be obstacles, but Nehemiah realizes that with God's help, he's not just going to wallow in the brokenness. He's going to put a plan together. He realizes that pain might be inevitable, but misery is not, right? And I think we got to be reminded of this because a lot of us just look at the broken walls and we, we claim our identity there. We, we say, well, if that's the past, then that's the future and, and it'll never be. And how do I get past this? And Nehemiah says, no, 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 I'm not only going to pray about it, I'm not only going to have my heart moved about it, but then I'm going to put a, I'm going to put some things together. I'm not just going to get stuck in this situation. I'm going to make something happen of it. R right after Christmas, for the first time ever, um, my daughter took our van for a, a trip on her own. Okay, she just got her license six months ago. So she and her best friend went to spend uh, Christmas with my mom, and so she's driving the van three and a half hours, and she FaceTimes me about two hours later, and she's got a flat tire on the side of the highway, and she's panicked and freaking out, and she's FaceTiming me, Dad, I can't believe it. And so I, I did two things. I thought, first of all, I'm just so proud of you. You got a flat tire on the highway, and you got the van off on the side of the road. You did good, okay? So I said, just show me how on the side of the road it was. It was, you know, not enough on the side of the road. So I said, the first thing we're going to do is inch into the grass a little more. And she said, okay. And then I had this moment. She said, dad, you're going to have to teach me how to, how to change a tire right now. And I thought to myself, oh my word, I did not have confidence in her. I did not have confidence in her best friend that was with, I just, I thought this is bad. So I composed myself and I said, okay, I have a plan. All right, get out of the car, go around the back, open the hatch. Okay. Yeah. You got the, so she's FaceTiming me. She gets out, walks around the grass. The car's safe on the side. She opens the trunk. 
I said, now here's what I want you to do. She's facing the trunk. I said, I want you to face the other way. So she said, why? The tr- and I said, well, I want you to face the other way. She said, that doesn't make sense. I said, just do what I'm saying. Face the other way. So she faced the other way. And I said, now I want you to do this with your arms, okay? And I just want you to, because fi- we're going to find, it's, this is rural North Carolina. I'm telling you, there's a good old boy that's going to pull over and help you. And she said, I'm going to get kidnapped. And I said, trust me, they'll return you. And uh, it's going to be fine. I said, I would rather run the risk. I don't trust you. And she said, I can't do that. I said, you got to do it. I said, just wave. I can't. I said, just wave your hand. And wouldn't you know, God sent two guys. They had their own jack, their own, their own uh, 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 um, everything they had to change it in a minute. They swapped her out. She got on the road. How many thank God for overcoming challenges, right? I said to her, you can't. Listen, you got a moment. You can freak out on the side of the highway. Uh, uh, but this is part of life. I mean, no, part of driving a car is getting a flat tire, right? Part of life is hitting bumps in the road, but but choosing to live there and be defined by difficulties and, and, and things that, that upset us is a life that we don't have to live. And Nehemiah, yes, the walls are broken, but he's not going to just weep. He's going to get to working. He's not just going to experience pain. He's not going to just, he's just not going to live in it. Here's what he's going to do. He's going to say to the king, would you send me to be a part of the solution. That's part of overcoming obstacles is first of all, also saying, I want to be a part of the solution, right? In fact, this is risky for Nehemiah. I want you to think of this. He's a cupbearer, the Bible tells us, to the king. This means that he has a place of of significance. He has a place of meaning. He has a place of probably some means. And yet he's willing to be inconvenienced He's willing to be reassigned. He's willing to leave his homeland, go back to where he's from, and lead the charge. In fact, he's cupbearer king. He doesn't know anything about construction. He doesn't know anything about building walls. He just sees a problem, and he's going to be a part of the solution. And I think the same is true in our life. We can either choose to be uh, people who fixate on problems or people who fixate on solutions. In fact, Nehemiah put it this way. He said, and because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. He says, I'm willing to not only volunteer for a position, but I'm going to trust God's favor in all this. In fact, I want you to know, this is why we start off the year with, with prayer, because we know it's not just about building walls. It's about having the hand of God on us. And there's something about putting ourselves in the proximity of God in his presence in prayer that, that opens our heart to what he wants to do with us. In fact, I want to encourage you, if you haven't tried the 7 a.m. morning prayer, we'll be virtual tomorrow. But all the other days during the week, we'll be live. Come on out one day. It's a way of saying God. God, we're going to try some things. We're going to move forward in faith, but we're not going to do it without your presence because we know to accomplish the task you've called us to, we need the gracious hand of God upon us. Yes, the king granted his request, but the king granted his request because he had the favor of God upon him. And and Nehemiah is willing to volunteer. And I, I found in life there are two kinds of people. There are people that see problems, and then there are people that move towards being solutions to problems, right? I want to ask you, what are you? Are you a person who just just dreams or are you a person who moves forward? We learned so many leadership lessons from Nehemiah. It's really interesting because he's a businessman. He's not a, he's not a preacher or a prophet. He's just a businessman, but God uses him in a big way. And he, he's, not, he's not just a dreamer, he's a leader. In fact, you might want to just take a picture or a screenshot of this quote. There's James Merritt says, there's a difference between dreamers and leaders. 
Dreamers dream about things being different. Leaders determine to make a difference, okay? So Nehemiah doesn't just stay in the, in the ground of dreaming. He doesn't just get a group together and say, wouldn't it be awesome if the walls got rebuilt? Wouldn't that be incredible? Oh, could you imagine? Uh, let, let's all talk about what the walls could look like and how could that be? He not only dreams about change, he mobilizes himself and is a part of change. And oh, how God's calling us to do that as a church. If we want our city to be different, if we want our community to be different, if we want our local church to be different, it's not just dreaming dreams. It's being willing to be a solution. The difference between a dreamer and a leader is a dreamer just dreams. But a leader says, no, 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 I'm determined to do something about this. Nehemiah, Nehemiah volunteers for the position. He says, I'm going to be a part of the solution. I'm going to get involved. I'm not just going to pray God would do something. I'm going to, God changes Nehemiah to be a part of the solution. Let me show you how it all happens. It's really interesting. The Bible says, early the following spring in the month of Nisan, during the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, Nehemiah says, I was serving the king, and the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? Now, you may not, you may not um, realize how shocking these words would be, but in the ancient world, if you served the king, one of the rules was you could not be sad in the king's presence. You had to be happy all the time in the king's presence. In fact, if you act depressed in the king in front of a monarch, they could actually kill you. And the, the king actually says at this moment, you don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled, okay? So the king identifies uh, the, 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 um, the, the, the emotion that Nehemiah has. And I want you to see what happened. He says, then I was terrified. Remember, uh oh, I wonder if this is bad. But I replied, long live the king. That's what you do in the presence of the king. Long live the king, right? How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. And the king asked, well, how can I help you? And with a prayer to the God of heaven, I want you to see this. Nehemiah not only has a pattern of prayer that we learned last week, so meaning he regularly, consistently prays, he, he also kind of slips up a quick prayer in the middle of a moment. How many know we've got to have both in our life, right? We've got to have regular, um, consistent times of prayer. But then there are moments, have you ever had one of those? That you're just at a moment, somebody asks you a question, you're in a, and you just, you don't have time to like spend forever in prayer, but you just take a quick second, kind of in your mind, in your heart, just say, God, I'm going to need your help. That's what Nehemiah does. If it pleases the king, and if you're pleased with me, your servant, he says, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried, okay? Let me show you this out of Nehemiah's life. It's the third principle of how we overcome. We have to maintain an optimistic attitude. One of the reasons that the king saw Nehemiah as sad was because it was unusual for him to be sad, okay? He had a faith-filled disposition, this doesn't mean that we deny reality or that we pretend things are okay all the time. But if Nehemiah had been a constant Debbie Downer, if he had been a constant Bobby Buzzkill, if that was the disposition of his life, right, then, then there wouldn't have been anything unique about this moment. But there's something unique about, about uh, Nehemiah's heart, his spirit, his attitude. He had an optimism. I, I, I say it this way. There's something about faith that just has a tone. It's not, it's not that there aren't problems in life. It's just there's a, there's a tone that we're connected to the God of the universe. There's a tone that God's still on the throne. There's a tone that we rest and live our life under the sovereignty of our God. There's a sense of trust 
in him. There's a faith that fills our voice, a faith that fills our hearts. There's a hope. I've been praying that over our church. Romans 15, may the God of hope fill us with grace and strength in this season. I think we're in need of faith-filled people who still have hope in God. I know the year's off to a tough start in the world and it's a snow day and all. And, and who, but listen, I'm telling you today, Jesus is on the throne and Nehemiah had a spirit about him, an excellent spirit that set him apart because I think he just had an op, he just had a trust in God. And that's what happens in our soul. In fact, I got a text yesterday morning. I, um, about twice a month, I walk with a, with a counselor who's in his 70s, great man. And he, he, he's an early riser, so he always texts me like early in the morning, like 5.15. And uh, he texts me and he said, today, he said, I'm just giving thanks to God. And he said, there's something about starting our day, giving thanks to God for what we do have, rather than complaining about what we don't have that sets our day. And then he said it actually, he's a counselor. He said it actually releases chemicals in our brain that, that brings joy to us. There's something, I think this is why, why the Bible says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, right? Uh, this is why Paul says, even when you're bringing your anxieties to him, bring your request, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, with thanksgiving. Don't be anxious about anything, but bring your request to him with thanksgiving. Giving. I think we need to learn to be faith-filled people. Come on, anybody in the room, right? Like faith-filled people. Nehemiah has a disposition. He just trusts God. I'm challenging you today not to deny reality, but in the middle of broken walls to still say God is alive and can do some things. And that's why that's why I think uh, Nehemiah can bring his request to the king because he's not defeated by the walls. Yes, he's got a discouraging moment, but he still has a plan. And so the king says, what can I do? And Nehemiah's ready. I want you to see it. He says, well, listen, if it pleases the king, he's got a plan. I mean, you got to be ready with a plan uh, if an opportunity comes. So I want you to see this. Nehemiah has prayed a whole bunch, but he's not just prayed. I think there's something happens in prayer that God begins to plant some seeds in our soul of, of what he can do in all of this. And Nehemiah, remember we learned it last week, spent four months in prayer so when the king asked him a question, he was ready in that moment. He says, if it pleased the king, I, I, got, I got an answer for you. Let me have letters addressed to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates, instructing them to let me travel safely. So he says, here's the first thing I need. I need, I need a passport, you know, to be able to move around the world on my way to Judah. And then he says, and let me have a letter of ASAP, keeper of the royal park, so he'll give me timber. So he says, I need a Home Depot gift card. You know what I mean? Like, I, I got a plan. I need a passport. I need some wood to, and some beams for the gates and the citadel for the city wall. I'll occupy. And I want you to see this. He says, and because the gracious hand of God was upon me, the king granted my request. Write this down because it's how we overcome, how we overcome obstacles. We've got to learn to have a, a both in our life, both spiritual and practical, right? We have to have a heart open to the work of God. And we have to also be diligent in our planning. I love, I just, I'm amazed at the book of Nehemiah. It's so spiritual and so practical. There are so many things that only God can do. And then there are so many things that God uses a wise leader named Nehemiah to do. And I think sometimes we try to 
pick in our life? Like, do I need the spiritual or do I need the practical? Like, how, which one do I need? I, I think we need both. How many know sometimes we need deep times of prayer and sometimes we need a nap? Come on, can I get an amen, right? Like, like we need both in our life. We need, we need both in our life, a white hot love for Jesus and spirituality, but we also need a practical. When Nehemiah was asked the question, he had a solution. And I think it's what happens in prayer. God begins to, to equip us with a plan. He begins to equip us with what he's going to call us to do in the moments of prayer. So when Nehemiah is asked, he has the plan. Oh, I need a, I need a passport. I need, I need wood to build the gates. And he has his plan locked up. And, and so he travels there. And I want you to see this. When he gets to the place as he travels to do the work, here's what he does. He says, I slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with me because I hadn't told anyone there in Jerusalem yet about the plans God put in my heart. We took no animals with us except the donkey I was riding. And after dark, I went to inspect the broken walls and the burned gates, okay? So here's what he does. He goes at night. He wants to see with his own eyes how bad the situation is. It was one of the things leaders do. They assess reality. They don't live in nowheresville. They assess reality. So he goes and says, I want to see, I want to see what it is. And, and then he goes to the people and he says, you know very well what trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins. Its gates have been destroyed by fire. So he assesses the trouble that they're in, but then look at his heart. Let us, what? Come on, say it with me. Let us what? Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and, and end this disgrace. And then, he, then he starts to tell them the story of how God's been with them. I told them all about how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king. So he had some evidences that God's grace and hand was already at work in that, and he told the story. I don't think we tell the story enough of what God's done in our past. He said, let me tell you something. God's already started to work. I got some evidence, the king, and this happened. You can't believe it. And they, look, look, these people who were immobilized, they've left these walls for a long time. They, they see the problem, but look, how, look at their reply. They replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began rebuilding and they began the good work. Hey, I think we need to face reality, but we also need to see beyond it in our lives. So, so all of us need to face the reality of where we are today, but that's only assessing the situation. Faith, faith faces reality, but it also sees beyond what something is to what it can be, right? Faith, faith sees not only where we're at, but where we're going, right? That's what a parent does. They look at a kid and say, they say, I see where you're at, but I also see because of God's hand on your life, not just who you are today, but who you're going to be one day, right? Faith sees the problem and faces the reality, but it also looks forward to the solution. Nehemiah did both, face reality and filled with faith. Face reality filled with faith, right? There's a, there's a blend here to his life. And because of that, he's able to inspire a group of people to, to look forward of what can be. I was reading something that this fascinated me the other day. Do you know at Disney World that they, um, they start um, every month at one end of the park painting the whole park? And they paint from one end of the park all the way to the other end of the park. And you know what they do at Disney once they're done painting the whole park? They immediately go back 
to the beginning of the park and they start painting the whole. They're constantly painting at Disney World over and over. they never are done painting over and over. And I was reading a thing because they were saying just by the time you're done painting the whole park, where you needed to paint is there again. So they just imagine that. That's got to be a depressing job, doesn't it? Like I'm painting this wall and in 30 days it's going to need it again, you know. But I think that I think that's what faith is. It realizes that just over and over again, it's coming back to God. It's trusting in God. It's believing in God. It's seeing things for where they are, seeing things for where they can be. Nehemiah not only sees the problem of the walls, he sees behind it what needs to be given solution. This is called faith. I really think we need faith in this season of life. In fact, maybe the, the verse that describes faith the clearest in the Bible is Hebrews it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So what is faith? Without faith, I can't even please God. Why? Because anyone who comes to him must believe he exists. That's kind of obvious, right? How many know you can't come to God if you don't believe he exists, okay? But not only must you believe he exists, I think a lot of people believe he exists, don't they? In fact, James says that even the demons in hell believe that God exists, okay? So faith, faith I guess you could say everyone has some kind of faith and that they believe that God exists, that doesn't get you anywhere. Just believing God exists, that's a start, but that doesn't change your life. So faith must believe that God exists, but look at the end. Come on, say end with me, right? So, so faith believe that God exists, but he also rewards those who earnestly seek him. You see the two definitions of faith? Or, or just write this down. It's a definition of faith. Faith believes that God is real, that he exists but also that he rewards those who diligently seek him, that he's responsive. You have to believe both about God. In fact, James actually says that all the demons of hell believe that God exists. Do you know Satan believes God exists? And so it's not just this weekend you're watching, you say, well, I believe in God. Well, that, that's, that, that doesn't change your life. I mean, that's a good start to believe God's real, but, it, but you gotta believe that he's responsive. Faith believes that God exists and that he's a rewarder for those that diligently seek him. I want you to know, so many people have this negative view of God. I want you to know, God sent his son to die on a cross to redeem the world, save the world. Jesus said, I've not come into this world to condemn the world, John three seventeen, but that the world might have life. God has come not only to be real to the world, but also to be responsive to it. How many are grateful this weekend, even on a snowy Sunday, right, that God hears prayer and God answers prayer? It's why 21 days in a row we get up every day praying because it's not an exercise in futility. It's a belief that God is not only real, but that he's responsive to his people, that he hears the the prayers of God's people and he answers the prayers of God's people. We've got to believe that, amen, that God is real and that God is responsive. Oh, now faith is what? Come on, remind me. Faith, without faith, come on, say it out loud with it. It's what? Impossible to believe God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, but they've also got to believe, I love this, that he's a rewarder to those who earnestly diligently seek him. Those that seek him, he reminds, remember Jeremiah 33, 3, if you seek me with all your heart, I'll be found by you. God's not looking to hide from us. He's looking to reveal himself to us. He, he longs to reveal who he is to us more than we even long to see him. He, 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 he says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. How many know God wants to meet with his people, right? Like Moses, friend to friend. So faith is real. Faith is responsive. 
Okay, I got one more. Is that okay, everybody? Y'all are amazing being here today and putting putting all through it, not in person, just online today. Can't wait to be back in person. It's always more fun when we're all together. But let me give you one last one. I wish this, I wish this one wasn't here, but we're actually gonna see this one about four times over the next month. Because it happens all the time, all the time. So we got faith and walls are being rebuilt, and the people are like, let's go. I mean, it's good, right? Till now. And then I'm sorry that this verse is in there, but it is. But when Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite, they heard of my arrival, they were very, what, very displeased that someone had come to help the people of Israel. These guys we're going to see about four times in the book. We're going to see them again later in verse 19. The same chapter, we'll see them next week. We'll see them in chapter 4. We'll see them in chapter 5. We'll see them in chapter 6. In fact, later on when they start rebuilding the wall, they're going to invite Nehemiah to a, to a dinner. They're going to say, come to us. Uh, they say, come eat dinner with us in the Valley of Ono. You know what I mean? And of course, the preacher joke is, Ono, oh, don't go to Ono. But like, like they're, they're always trying to distract them, right? And like pull them again. But listen, here, here's, here's what we need to real, realize in our lives. We have to learn. We have to learn. Oh, yeah, I did put the other verse here. They scoff contemptuously. What are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Over and over again, here's what they do. We just got to learn to expect opposition, right? Come on, expect opposition. And I think too often we see anything negative in our life as a sign that God isn't at work. But I wonder if we could learn to see it the opposite. That when there is obstacles in our life, it might just be a sign that we are at work. In fact, the, how many know the enemy of our soul only attacks when there's an advance, right? He, he, he can leave you alone. If you're doing nothing, kind of skating in some lukewarm, apathetic, distant faith and not really doing, he's, he might just leave you alone. But oh, if you're advancing, taking territory and, and the God's will on earth is happening as it is in heaven and the kingdom, that, then there's going to be opposition. That's what Sanballat and Tobiah, throughout the book, they're going to try to oppose they're going to try to limit. They're going to try to come against. They're going to, they're going to say that can't happen. And I want to encourage you this weekend, just because their opposition doesn't mean it's a sign that God's not at work. It may actually be an opposite. It may be a sign that God is at work, right? Think of Jesus right after he's baptized in his earthly ministry, comes up out of the water, right? And the first thing he does is go into a season of fasting and prayer. And what happens in that moment? Luke 4, Matthew 4, you can watch it. The Bible says the enemy waits till an opportune time and comes to him and tests him three three times in three different ways. Why? Because there's opposition right before Jesus is about to do ministry. And I think the same is true. In fact, I've wondered, even as we're starting a new year, the timing of just pain in life and loss and heartbreak. Just right at the start of the year, the opposition that would say, there's no good and it's not going to happen. Oh, man, we need to start to see opposition not as a sign that we're out of the will of God, but sometimes as a sign that we're in the will of God. In fact, the Apostle Paul, he says, he, he describes what his missionary ventures were. And he's like, everywhere I went, they would throw rocks at me and 
I'd be shipwrecked and arrested. I mean, just imagine him. You're like guest speaker at church. It's the guy that always gets in trouble. Like, I mean, like wherever he, but he didn't see opposition as a sign that he wasn't in the center of what God was doing. He saw opposition as a sign that the, that the gates of Hades, the enemies of this world were nervous that the light of the gospel was going forward. And so he, he learned to not only handle opposition, but this, expect opposition. Come on, say that with me. Expect. One more time, come on. Expect. I'm not shocked by it. I anticipate it. Because whenever the gospel goes forward, there's going to be, whenever there's progress, there's going to be an attack. Whenever there's advance, there's going to be a retreat. There's going to be, there's going to be pressure against the kingdom of God when it's going forward. And I encourage you, maybe this year, you started 2022 in prayer and fasting and believing God for things and just one thing after another happened and you're tempted to feel out of the rhythm. Do not feel that way. It may just be a sign that God's taking you to new levels and new places in your relationship with him and you need to learn and I need to learn to expect opposition. Just be realistic about it because for too long we're like, well, if I'm really at after the heart of God, then I won't have any issues. No, no, no. As the walls were rebuilt, there was a counterattack. In fact, the people eventually would have to, eventually, the Bible says they worked with a sword in one hand and a, and, and a, and, and a construction instrument in the other, right? I mean, they just learned how to, how to build and battle, how to worship and war, how to, how to, how to handle the good and, and push forward, but also how to fight off the bad. Expect, come on, expect opposition with a realistic mindset. Nehemiah doesn't show up there and say, well, not everybody wants this to happen. It's not 100% vote, so that must mean God doesn't want it to happen. How many know even Jesus didn't have 100% vote, right? One out of 12 didn't stick with him. And, uh, and yet God had something great for him to re redeem the whole world. And God has more and good for us. And just because there's opposition and difficulty doesn't mean, doesn't mean he's, he's not at work. It might just mean he's especially at work. He's especially at work. In just a second, we're going to sing a closing song about the power of Jesus, but I want to encourage you. In that moment when my daughter, uh, her car was broke down with the tire, I believe that her solution was outside of herself. <laughs> and I believe today that some of, we could put these principles into work, but over and over again, the phrase that kept hitting me, reading through Nehemiah 2, was the gracious hand of my God was upon me. And I just, I just began to pray for that, the hand of God upon me, right? And I almost had this picture of us arm wrestling. I don't, we don't arm wrestle anymore. When I was a kid, we arm wrestled. I don't know, do you, do you arm wrestle? I was like, come on, arm wrestle. And you know what? Whenever you were arm wrestling, if you felt like you were going to get beat, one of the things you could do is take your other hand and, you know, help, help. Uh, I just had this picture of us in a battle. And the question today isn't whether or not we're going to win the battle. The question is what would happen if God just reached his hand down? and set his hand on top of our hand, and, and there'd be grace and strength and power, and the gracious hand of our God is with us to help us overcome, because we have a plan. We're trusting in him. We're moving forward. We're believing in him. Even on a snowy weekend in Richmond, Virginia, when we can't wait to be back together uh, next week, but even in a, this moment, whenever you're watching this this morning or on the replay, God knows exactly what challenge you're go, going through. Every morning this past week, I've walked through our auditorium and held up prayer cards and, and hand, handled all the written-in prayer emails. We've had our team actually write them all down from Facebook and give to us and write them on the prayer cards that are emailed in through the website. And 
You know what I've been aware of? How many challenges we're facing. So many people, marriage and health and issues. I want you to know we love you. We're praying the hand of God at work in your life. God's able to help you overcome. I just had that word, overcome. And you know what? Overcome is both a wonderful word and a bad word. It's a wonderful word because who doesn't want to overcome? But it's a bad word because that means you have something you have to overcome. You know, like I wish it was just like, no, victory. No, no. But the word God gave us for this new year is not just victory. It's overcome that we're going to look at the challenges in front of our life. but We're not going to let them define us. And we're going to, by God's grace, overcome. Amen. Come on, let me pray for us as our team comes back to lead us in worship. So God, for every home that's watching this, everybody watching it on their playback later on in the day or later on in the week, Jesus, you know, every challenge in marriages and uh, health and business, God, and just making decisions about the future and navigating family relationships. So God, I pray for your people today. God, I just pray, my heart goes out to them, moved like Nehemiah. God, that you'd give them grace and strength to overcome, God, by the gracious hand of God, right where you're watching this. God speaking hope to your heart and encouragement, strength to you, to look to him, to lean into his presence, to put together the plan he puts on your heart, to not let the opposition hold you back, to face reality, but look forward in faith and say, God, you're going to do this in my life. In fact, maybe if you're comfortable, right where you're at, maybe in your living room, you just hold your palms like this. So God, we invite your grace and your strength, your power into our every situation. Oh, how we need you. You're powerful and strong and mighty. I believe in you. I believe in you. Oh God, in every situation.